welcome back to Stars Like Us. I'm your host, Eliza Kelly, and I am so, so very delighted to be here with um, a legend and one of my mentors and someone who is just an inspiration constantly, um, who really is actually, you know, the, the foundation of why Stars Like Us and my astrology practice really even exists in the first place. And she is Anne Ortley. Hi there. How are you? Good to see you. <laughs> Good We're to see you too. We're having a little Pisces moon bonding moment here. Yes. It's a very it's very Pisces moon to just be able to sort of just like set up shop and be like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. Let's bleed let's out. Like, out. Let's, <laughs> let's go hang out and have a good time. Let's have a conversation. Let's have a conversation. Let's yeah. talk about our feelings. Mm-hmm. So if anyone listening doesn't know who you are, I in, they, they need to just turn it off right now and start over. <laughs> but uh, but let's be, we'll be kind to them. Yeah. And if you wouldn't mind just sharing who you are, how you got started, your origin story. My origin yes, story. Right. Okay. we can kick it off from there. Well, I was uh, my ori- my background was I was raised Catholic and I moved to New York right after I got out, got out of college and then I worked for years in corporate America. And I had a business. I, I worked in computer programming, computer sales. I had a business, and I was working with my partner of 14 and a half years. And I found out he was seeing somebody else. And what? I went, oh, it was Saturn on my ascendant, for those in the audience. And I went, oh, my <laughs> God. And that was it, right? So, you know, your life kind of goes down the toilet. You, you know, the dreams you thought kind of leave. So I had a bunch of, you know, and a lot of times when people leave your life, new people come in. So he left. New people came in. And uh, they all said, oh, you're at this crossroads. You should go see an astrologer. And I'm like, see an astrologer? What would I do that for? And they're like, no, no, it's really good. You should really go see an astrologer. I'm like, see an astrologer? And they, I mean, they really worked on me for a while because I'm an Aquarius rising. I'm a little stubborn. And finally, I went. And I sat down with this guy. He's an astrologer here in New York. He's an excellent astrologer, and he became my first astrology teacher. His name is John Marcasella, and the reading was June 18th, uh, 1994 at 11.30 a.m. And I sat down, and uh, I had sat at that point, I had sat on my moon, and I burst into tears in the first 30 seconds when he said, well, you've just gone through a major life-altering experience. I'm like, all right, you don't even know who I am. Like, how do you know that? And we went through the reading, and he talked, and he talked, and I talked, and I cried, and his dog got on my lap, and uh, he had a great dog that time named George. Um, And George would hop on your lap when you cried, similar to the way my cats hop on your lap when you cry here. My cats come over when the person starts to cry and goes, oh, she made you upset. Let me help you. What's John's moon? Uh, John's a Capricorn moon. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he was a Capricorn moon. It was reality time. (laughs) (laughs) And it was reality. His moon tried my son, right? So that was a helpful aspect, but it was Capricorn moon. Right, and he was there to deliver some Saturn conjunct moon news to you at that time as well. Saturn in my first house, right? Because it had gone in my ascendant. So I said, well, you know, there was this guy, and he looks him up in the ephemeris, which I'm looking at. There's this book of numbers. And I'm like, okay. And he starts talking about the guy and the relationship and his relationship with his mother and his relationship with me and what happened. And I'm like, he have a videotape (laughs) in my bedroom or something? (laughs) And uh, I was like, wow, how do you know all that? And he goes, well, didn't you break up with him seven years ago? You know, Saturn, right? And I'm like, yeah. And all my friends, you know, were 
came out that they hated him, right? And so I did when I went back with him, I didn't tell anybody. So then when mm-hmm, I broke up seven mm-hmm. years later, they're like, I thought we got rid of him seven years ago. I said, well, not really, you know. So I just was like, how do you know all this? I'm a Virgo. I hate to make the same mistake twice. So I went away that weekend with those women. One of them had a country house up in Pennsylvania. And we went up to her country house and they were like, let's hear your tape. I'm like, hell no, I'm not playing that tape. Because <laughs> it was at that point audio cassettes recorded. And they were, I said, how does he do that? That was amazing. How does he know this stuff? And one of them said, well, he teaches it. So I came back from the weekend away and I called him on Monday and I said, I want to learn how you did that. He said, I'm starting beginner class in the fall. And I'm like, okay, you sign me up. So I sat on his couch for two and a half years, starting in September of 1994. And I was, there was a, there were, there was a Pisces between us and there were two Virgos on the couch. I was one of them. And I did his two and a half year course, which was really good, basic, predictive astrology, because he is a predictive astrology. About a year and a half into that class, I found Eileen McCabe, who I think of as my astrology. John, I think of as my astro dad. And Eileen, I think of my astro mother, and she's a, a Sagittarius uh, rising and a Gemini and a Moon uh, Pluto and Pisces. So she was my more spiritual karma dharma because John really doesn't do karma dharma. He's like the chart is karma, mm-hmm. and he doesn't do your soul's purpose. He does, you know, when you get in a job, you lose in a job. He's your basic good, solid, really good predictive astrologer. Capricorn Eileen, moon shit. Capricorn, <laughs> Capricorn moon, Aquarius sun, Mercury and Capricorn. Right. Oh yeah. Very, okay. Yeah, very so, practical. That's a nice. Uh, you have the cardinal, cardinal daddy, mm-hmm. and mutable mommy. Totally. Very good. And so I had the two. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of the ideal. It was perfect. And I think of her as my astrology mother and him as my astrology father. And then, of course, I studied with a number of other people. Because, you know, as you and I discussed before we started, it's really important to have mentors in astrology because what they do is they pull it all together. You know, they you can study by yourself and you can ter- certainly learn a lot. But what your teacher does, because astrology is an oral tradition, and a lot of it is process where you say, okay, look at this. Now follow the moon to here. Now what is that moon happy? Oh, that moon answers to a difficult ruler. Oh, that moon's in a difficult position. Oh, no, that moon's in a happy position. You know, so I was reading something earlier today with, with, with the sun, moon, trine, and that that, you know, the facility of the sun, moon, trine working with the part of fortune makes for a grand trine. And I'm like, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. And I'd never thought of it before. But when they, when I read that, I'm like, yeah, of course it does make a grand trine. So good, because the part of fortune is calculated from the sun, the moon, and the ascendant, right? Right. And I'm like, oh, that's so true. And that's why the sun, moon trines are considered benefic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, oh, wow. So you, when you learn from somebody or you read something or you listen to something, with a teacher who can take you through how it relates, it's really helpful, I think. You know, and I actually, you know, one of our one of our shared people is Annabelle uh, Gatt, who's also a brilliant astrologer. And, and her comment to me was, I had all this disparate information because she had studied it very watery Scorpio Piscianly because she's a Scorpio moon. And she said, and what you did was you provided structure and framework for it you know, to take all the little pieces and put them together. And that's what John did. I went to framework and then I went to woo. Right. With Eileen. 
Right. Yeah. So then, so now the year is, it's 96, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 96. No, 94. 94. 94. So mm-hmm. it's 94. And at what point then did you open up your practice? Because I think I know, that, remember you saying that you have a, the September 11th was also a big catalyst. September 11th, seven years later, was, was when I went full time. Got it. So I was, I was still working corporate. I had my business, my computer consulting business. I had my uh, astrology practice. On, I went and studied astrology. John actually had to rein me in a little. He would say to me, you're practicing brain surgery on your friends. Mm. You have to be careful. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? You know, <laughs> you, know. <laughs> I, you know, he's like, no, you have to be careful. And what was he advising you? Well, like I was ready to go read everybody in the world. And he was like, no, mm-hmm. you're not ready yet. Like, and, and pay, you know, pay attention to what you know. More, more importantly, what you don't know. Right. You know. So it was on, it was, it was, it was September, September 11th. 94. Well, I started astrology September 10th, whatever the Monday was in 94, either the 10th or the 12th. It was right by my birthday. And then September 11th, you know. Uh, the my office was down by the World Trade Center. And I, at that point, had built a practice. I had about five, six, seven, ten people a week I was reading. Um, and I my office blew up, essentially. You know, so I, I take my birthday off. That's, I have for years. And um, I was not in the office that day. So I missed it. I was home waiting for a bookcase to be delivered. And um, my office blew up and then we went back in about three weeks after and I went down there two days with the dead bodies and the ghosts and the dead body smells and I'm like I can't do this I gotta go yeah I was also in New York on September 11th as Mm -hmm. a native New Yorker and the palpable the physical um energy of it is something that really you You you, never forget yeah it was extremely haunting in fact I actually think that that was when I realized that I was an empath yes, um, and that yes. I was different from other people because mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. so deeply disturbed by, by the energy, the energy mm-hmm. and it was just, it was like impossible for me to shake. So we mm-hmm. had to, we couldn't go to school for uh, a week or so after, but I actually, I think I took the whole month off because mm-hmm. I was so shook and disturbed mm-hmm. by it. Mm-hmm. And then I became sort of obsessed with it. And I started, I had a friend who lived on, lived on Leonard Street and her mm-hmm. apartment had been completely filled with ash and was you know they had to move out and I volunteered to keep going down there Mm -hmm. to move the things and I would look around I'd go around ground zero and I would find like newspapers that hadn't been delivered on September 11th and I would like take them and I started creating this archive of like death (laughs) Mm -hmm. and it was when I mean that was also at that time it was my um, progressed lunar opposition was going on right around then too a little bit before, but just about that time. So you're having Virgo Moon. I have to collect all the memorabilia, in my eighth all house. the pieces. Yeah, in the eighth. In house. my eighth, because my Pisces Moon is in my second. Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. it was the detritus. Yeah. yeah. What, did you were you having a a very heavy transit at that moment? I for was. You? I was having quite a few. I mean, I had looked at my chart, and I at that point I had finished a big gig at Pepsi. We did Year Two K compliance because I was a computer background, and they hired. They were just hiring people like crazy for Y Two K. Because all the programs had been, you know, you didn't have to use the number 19. And now we were going to 20. Right. And so the math was going to be off, right? Or they didn't know what would happen. So I was, I had spent like three years with Pepsi flying around the country, converting half, I had half the country. There was another guy that had the other half, converting the the, the, the systems that kept track of every vending machine, busy cooler, and fountain in America. 
And that project had finished because Y2K had happened and I was being deployed to another project. And I got a new boss that was just kind of, you know, just really a difficult guy. And I was kind of like, hmm. And he said, well, you know, if you go work on this other project, which basically meant like 80-hour days, and we'll maybe promote you in April next year. And he said this to me in August. And I thought, you know, I don't want to do that. So in August of 2000, I took a week vacation, found a new job in a week, and moved down to New York. You know, gave up the commute. And then in April, interestingly, when they would have given me the promotion at Pepsi or not, the new company I went with had um, uh, fired all the salespeople. So the whole sales force got fired, myself included. And I had met a, a really interesting venture capitalist during that project that I was on. And he said to me, you know, you're one of the best salespeople I've ever met. Will you go work for one of my other companies? And I'm like, yeah, sure. So I was out of work for about a week. And then I had the job downtown in the World Trade Center. Wow. Yeah. So my office blew up. And I thought, well, you know, you don't have to go back there. Anymore. What an interesting way of. Well, I was like, you know, <laughs> I mean, it was like two blocks, but it was west. It was Yeah, I mean, the, the whole area was, it like was blown just, out. It was yeah. like, it was awful. Yeah. yeah. And the dead smell and the, the dead bodies. And, and I even years later, I still can't go to the north, the top of the north pond. You know, at the memorial, there's the North Tower and the South Tower. And my sister and brother-in-law were in town. He's a Scorpio. He's got a Pisces moon. And I said, I don't I don't walk on that side. There's shit over there. So I'll sit here. You guys want to go around and look at all the names. Cool. So he comes around. He comes back. He goes, there is stuff over there. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, that's the mean side because those are the people that are all mad that they got killed. Mm. You know, the other people got trapped and killed or the fire people ran up the stairs. But those are the people in the North Tower that had no escape. It's yeah. so heavy. So, yeah, it's really it's really spooky energy down there. Yeah. For an empath. And I had a friend who death walked these people. You also then are an empath. And, a little bit, yeah. And mm-hmm. I and how much of your intuition do you incorporate into your readings now? I don't uh, consciously incorporate any. What I find... Um, and when I teach students that are empathic, I'm always like, find it in the chart. Because the chart like reads an energy. It kind of floats up at you. And when I have empathic students, of which I have a few, I'll go, okay, now find it in the chart. Not saying you're wrong, find it in the chart. And you have to be able to find it in the chart. So what I find the way the empathy works is, or the uh, the empath is, I'll be working with an aspect, we'll be talking about it. And I'll kind of be like, well, this is what it would say. And they'll go, that's exactly what it says. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I can't necessarily point to that in an astrology text that that's what it would say. But I know that's what it would say. You know, that person would say, bop, bop. And the person goes, that's exactly what they say. Mm -hmm. So that, I think, is maybe where the empath comes in, that the energy kind of talks to me. And when the person is like, I'm trying to figure this out, I'm like, okay, and this is what the energy says. And they're like, yeah. And especially when it's a person talking, you know, what they're, you know, you see a Mercury Saturn and then they have, like I had a guy the other day and he's dating someone who's uh, bisexual, but bad background in the Catholic Church, very limiting. And um, and she has a Mercury Saturn in the ninth. So I said, well, she was shamed for her, her body. And it's Mercury Saturn in Taurus. She was shamed for her body, you know, in the course of the Catholic Church, the virgin or not the virgin. And so her sexuality with the Mercury Saturn conjunction. She she has this fear of the body. You know, so you can see the you can see where it comes from. And of course she's a Mars and Gemini answering to the Mercury Saturn. So she wants to be bisexual, but she has a little more trouble right claiming that, you know. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So in that I, I I think it was in 
in our working together that mm-hmm. I really started to understand how much of a conversation astrology is. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's and w- what I feel like I can be very didactic about now is like, you know, astrology is not just memorizing these different uh, the correspondences, right? It's not just saying Mars equals action, Taurus equals stubborn, and you putting those together because that isn't always going to check out in that very neat way. It needs right. to be a dialogue between um, what's actually happening in the physical plane and then what's happening in quite literally, I guess, the astral. Right. Um, and how did you, was that something that you sort of organically found yourself or was that something that you? Well, I had a background in sales, so I was used to talking to people, right? So I did do that. But I also, yeah, I'm a Virgo. So I would, <laughs> I remember one woman came and uh, I had a list of stuff I wanted to tell her. And she goes, okay, so I guess we're finished. And I said, no, no, I'm not done yet. <laughs> and she like looks at me like, uh, like she was done and she wanted to leave. And uh, I was like, oh, you know, but I mean, I was like, I'm not done. I got all this stuff I got to tell you. So I do find uh, one of the things, you know, you were and I were talking before about certification. You know, we offer the ESARS. I offer different certifications to my students depending on what kinds of student they are. If they're mathy, you know, do the NCGR. If they're more Neptunian, do the ESAR because you don't have to calculate charts. You know, you want the hardcore people go to AFA because they're like the real techie folk. Um, but any one of them, you know, you should get certified because it says you know what you're doing. But in um, in understanding and in working with people when they're going through the certification process, I'll say to them, you know, this is the process. And the counseling course, the ESAR course, really teaches you how to have more of a dialogue. And truly, people know what they want to do. And most of my job, I find, is getting them to say what they want to do and affirming that it's in their chart and they're supposed to do it, that that's part of their uh, direction in life. They should do that. We got a musical swell here (laughs) saying, yeah, you know, like we're we're going for it. (laughs) Thank you, universe. Thank you, Mercury, for affirming that. That that was was, the heavens opening up. It was symphony. (laughs) You should know we're in my apartment and sometimes cell phones ring. Um, but yeah, so I think the uh, the opportunity for people to work with it in a in a new way that allows them to see it and understand it and and that dialogue between it. But I know initially I was like, you know, I'm a Virgo. I'll tell you what you and I still give a pretty information packed reading um, because I do believe, you know, I've got you. I want to tell you what's in your chart, but I also want to have you have a dialogue back with me where we have this understanding because you're the one that has to go live it. I can read the map and and say there's a McDonald's on the road ahead or, oh, you would prefer... Oh, you would prefer Kentucky Fried Chicken. Oh, no, you're a vegan. Oh, okay, well, the vegan <laughs> place, we're not going to get to there. You know, that's the that's the gift of astrology, having that ability. But you have to talk to the client. It's their chart. They're living it. You're not. Right. I think you have a slogan, if it's in your heart, it's, it's in, in your, your chart. chart. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that I, you know, it's interesting because my background before I was full-time astrology, I was an art, art person. I was an art history student. I was in the art world, and I was a... Le Corbusier addict and his whole methodology is form follows function. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's kind of the exact same ideology, right? Right. If you, if it exists, then you can, if if it exists, you can find it and you can create the structure from that. Right. But you need to find it first and then you can work. It's sort of like reverse engineering in a way. Yeah. 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 And, and a lot of times because astrology is a language, people really focus on Mars equals 
actions uh, Taurus equals stubborn, stubborn Mars, because it is about the keywords. It's learning a language. And then once you gain the facility where you're talking to the person, you're saying, well, how does this manifest in your life? So I know in my case, one of my favorite books was by Benny Ludenstedt, Astrological Aspects or Astrological Insights into Personality. We'll put that in the um, yeah. show and, notes for people. And, yeah, Lundsted, L-U-N-D-S-T-E-D, out of uh, my uh, Weiser in uh, York Beach in Maine. But she had a thing in there, moon, Uranus, aspects give difficulty with pregnancy. So I'm like, all right, well, I want to find out about that. So everybody that showed up with a moon, Uranus aspect, I asked. I said, you know, sometimes this aspect means difficulty with personality or pregnancy. How does that show up? So one of them had a tipped uterus. One of them thought she would die if she had a baby. One of them couldn't have a baby because her uterus had been removed. One of them had really bad endometriosis. Uh, they, They all had reasons why they couldn't have a baby or they were afraid of it, or they thought they would die in childbirth. So it was depending on the moon, you're in a square uh, or opposition. So I was like, well, that's really interesting. So you don't know how the aspect's going to show up. Right. Which is why when we when I look at the heavens and you watch what's going on, I'm always fascinated to see how it shows up on Earth. Because what you should do as a baby astrologer or as a grown-up astrologer is watch what the heavens are doing and then kind of try and find it in the chart. Right. Because that is how you build your skill. Because then you go, oh, there's a story about an octopus. What's octopus? And you look up octopus, you get a book of rulership. There's a number of rulership books that list where the planets are ruled by and what what planets, what signs, what houses rule planets. And then you, you look at that story. You look at the heavens, you look at the story in the news and you figure out the chart. And that is how you build, you know, in addition to talking to people. So when you said you were obsessed with 9-11's death stuff, you, I would say to you, so what do you got at 18 Virgo? What midpoints do you have there with that mm-hmm. form of obsession? You probably have Pluto aspect. Oh, yeah, of course. I have Pluto at the very tippy top of my chart and Scorpio <laughs> creating beautiful sextiles to all of my Virgo and my eighth. So <laughs> okay, there you go. Because when you said that, I'm like, oh, she must have some kind of obsessive energy. I immediately thought that. So now this is an example of how you talk to a client. You say, so what do you got there? Now, she happens to know her chart, but I'm I'm like going, I know you got some Pluto in there. Definitely. Because you're making a shrine <laughs> to the dead people. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is that was what the Im- the impulsion was to do it. Yeah. So, in terms of then sort of, you know, for for people listening who are interested in pursuing astrology, who are starting to maybe just dip their toes, mm-hmm. what do you think that the right steps are for somebody to become a professional astrologer and what do you think it really means to be a professional astrologer some i felt like it was a kind of a trolley message if i'm being quite honest but somebody sent me like a weird dm on instagram being like what is a professional astrologer and obviously i didn't respond because it was like antagonistic but then I actually did start really thinking about it. And I was like, what would make someone a professional? When does someone feel comfortable to claim that title? What do they need to do in order to get there? Well, I know for me, what I did was I looked around at the astrologers who I admired. And I looked to see what they had done. And I copied it. So uh, a number of the ones I really admire have certifications from multiple organizations. So I made a point of getting certifications from all the organizations in the United States that offer them. Um, I have studied Vedic astrology. I have not. I studied for about seven years. I haven't done their certification program because that's not my natural language. But I got certified by American Federation of Astrology, International AFA, International Society for Astrological Research, ESAR, 
NCGR, National Council of Geocosmic Research, and OPA, the Organization of Professional Astrologers. So I have, you know, credentials. But I also would never go to a doctor that wasn't board certified. Right. So I'm looking, would you go to a lawyer that didn't have a license? Would you go to a doctor that didn't have a license? Uh, About a year ago, Kim Kardashian announced that she was going to become a lawyer in California without going to law school. And there are some states that allow you to become a lawyer without going to law school, including California. So Kim Kardashian can apprentice at a law firm and take a test and become a lawyer. Now, would you want that lawyer representing you in divorce? (laughs) You know, like, so as a professional astrologer, I think it's a couple things. I think it's what your educational background is. Who have you studied with? Who? How have you done? Have you sat and said, I work, I've, I've sat, a bunch of other astrologers have said, I know what I'm doing. Uh, you know, in this day and age, you can pull up a computer report, you can read it, and you can say you're an astrologer and you don't know what you're doing. Right. There I was... mean, you could read it directly from the report. Totally. Totally. And you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And I mean, I... it's like a tarot yeah. reader who mm-hmm. you read their cards and they're reading out of a little book the out whole little time. Book the whole time, yeah. <laughs> and I had one of my students came uh, after she'd attended a conference, and someone who apparently has a fairly decent sized astrology practice didn't know the difference between a square and an opposition. That's a big problem. That's a big problem. And she asked the question of one of the teachers, and the teacher was like, you don't know the difference between a square and an opposition? And she actually publishes stuff on the Internet. That's so, very concerning. Very concerning. So I also, and I do a lot of astrology rehab where someone comes in and says, I have no planets in my fifth house, so I'm not going to have children. And I look at them and I said, that was a bad astrologer. Are they certified? A lot of times people don't even know there can be certified astrologers. And they're like, what's certified? I said, well, there's organizations. I said, and there's seven planets in the sky and there's 12 houses. So you're automatically going to have empty houses. So that is bad astrology, what you just got told. And so I find if you are giving information out to people that is destructive, cruel, or unkind, and there are a lot of people that do that, or if an astrologer does that to you, one of the things you want to do is say, Boy, that was destructive, cruel, and unkind, and uh, probably I shouldn't listen to it. The issue is, as astrologer or tarot readers or psychics, because we do have that mediumistic tendency, it tends to be we go in at a very deep level. And I think we should be, uh, you know, taking a Hippocratic oath of sorts and saying, I promise to do no harm mm-hmm. with astrology, you know. Yeah, uh, I, it's interesting that you should use the empty houses as an example because. When I was, you know, several years ago when I was really studying, that wasn't even something that crossed my mind. I didn't look at my uh, fifth house and think I wasn't a creative person. Right. I, of course, I'm a fucking creative person. I'm a, right. I'm a Leo. So yeah. like, duh. But also it was just not that wasn't part of the way that I was studying. And that wasn't something I was even conscious of. And now in the past year, I think because there are so many you know, I mean, are we even calling them baby astrologers, like astrology enthusiasts online who are um, generating memes and just sort of propagating false information, empty houses because they don't know how to interpret it because they don't know how to find the ruler of the house and they don't understand transits or an ephemeris doesn't realize that there's 
the empty houses is sort of it's just doesn't exist it's right. like not it, even a concept yeah it's not a concept <laughs> planets go through the house moon goes through it every month right like if you were to yeah. look at yeah. old astrology books you're not going to mm. find the chapter on empty houses because yeah, there isn't such no. a thing <laughs> there, it wasn't a concept right. mm-hmm. but because mm-hmm. you know they aren't uh the, you know these individuals aren't don't know how to really work with the chart and they see gaps and i i guess if anything empty houses are a metaphor for the for the gaps in their own astrological knowledge, knowledge right? The well, I had one woman come. She was very upset because she was having a Mars Pluto aspect, and an astrologer had told her it was going to she was going to be raped. What? Yes. And I said to her, "You have this aspect every two years. Have you been raped every two years?" And she goes, "No." I said, "All right." And I'll give you the dates when it happened before. And I pulled up my ephemeris and I did that. She goes, "No, actually, those were all good things." I said, yeah, you have a very nice Pluto, and you're activating your Pluto, and it's Pluto sun trine, and it usually brought her, like, some recognition or some acknowledgement. Or and she was an actress, so some of the movies had been uh, a little more violent, but she hadn't been raped. And I was like, bad astrologer, bad astrologer, bad as- irresponsible. Post on, on Yelp that they're a bad astrologer. That very irresponsible. That is very, very no, scary. Totally, it is very scary because they don't know what they're doing. And I, I have a real problem with it. At at the same time, you know, it's anybody with a shing, anybody with an enet email can get a chart and print a report and tell you they're astrologer, right? And and I not to be mean to the millennials, but a lot of them think they know what they're doing and they don't have a clue. And uh, you know, it is it is an art it used to not be taught until you were forty, right? Because you and you had to study with someone and they gave you the tables to be able to look up and figure out stuff. And so you had to have a level of responsibility and a level of knowledge before you could be in a school. And what, what is the transit at 40 that is prompting Saturn that? Saturn opposition to natal Saturn, Neptune square. So you're, you're eligible to enter into the house of elders. Got it. So that's, mm-hmm. so it's like you, it's not even your Saturn return cuts Mm-mm. it. No. You got to go deeper. Yeah. And I think about what I knew back in 94. I was 40 when I started astrology. And what I know now, you know, 20 some odd years later, 25 years later, 26 years later, it's very different. You know, it's what I understand about humans and where I'm going. And also, I think you you change and you tr- you trade up, you know, you learn more and you attract a different kind of client. So I'm not going to say don't do it, but I am going to say be aware of what you don't know and don't go saying shit that you don't know that's true. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean that's a that's a I'm very disturbed by that as a Well anecdote. that was my that was my checking out those Uranus those Uranus uh moon aspects. I was like, how does this show up in your life? You know, this sometimes means anxiety about Of the course, child. because that is why it's right. a conversation is yeah. because we see something and there's these recurring transits and there's these recurring conjunctions that happen or aspects whatever it is and then you look to the past to say what has happened historically Mm -hmm. and then that is really the only way that predictions could be made is Mm -hmm. when you have get a flavor of how when those planets interact with each other what comes to be and then you look at the conditions of the time of today Mm -hmm. obviously if we're talking about jupiter you know, it's 12 years, right? So what was going on 12 years ago is not going to apply to what's going on today, but you can still get a flavor of what Jupiter does when it makes these connections to these different planets Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. work with the client to understand. understand. Yeah, not say you're going to explode, right? (laughs) I mean, I was like, whoa. Yeah, that's... I mean, it's like bad astrology, but it's also like, you know, you don't have have the ability to put a little sign up and say, 
get a bad astrological prediction, call me and I'll fix it, you know. <laughs> but I'm also like, you know, to the point of uh, the empty houses, the energy runs through the whole chart. Where the planets are, where we have the aspects and the, the kicking up and the making everything a little more intense and a little more uh, up and up in the air and kind of moving forward. So there's, they're the rocks in the river where we form... Um, where we form uh, turbulence, you know, and then the river flows through the rest of the chart because the the whole chart is an energetic system. Right, and then if you're looking at progress charts too, and right. the chart's also moving around. Right. I mean, right. what what is a stellium when you're born? You Changes. know, in your, yeah, by the time you're midway through life, it's a stellium in a different place. Or it's gone. Or it's gone, right, Completely. it's dispersed. Mm -hmm. It disperses. And for those of you who stelliums are more than three planets and progressions, you're born into a season and you ripen over the next 90 days of your life uh, and in the, in the ephemeris that corresponds to 90 years. And there's three kinds of progressions. Primary, which says the day you're born describes your whole life. Secondary, which says that every day after you're born is a year of life. And tertiary, which says that every day after you're born is a month of life. And you combine those three progressions and you get, you're able to look and see what the person's ripening into. Now, all of you didn't know that, that means you shouldn't be, you should be studying more before you're doing readings. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I no, mean, I'm like, I, did you know that or not? You didn't know that. Okay, <laughs> stop now. Just go, okay, I got to make that on my list before I start doing stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I do. I mean, it's... It's very important to yeah. to have all of this, to be aware of all of these techniques. Yes. And I, I like to think of astrology as an open book test, mm -hmm. um, which is, and the test itself is not multiple choice. It is mm -hmm. a, a comprehensive essay. Mm -hmm. And obviously, mm -hmm. if you only know how to read mm -hmm. natal planets, your essay is going to be very one note. Right. Whereas if you then can incorporate, a, you know, solar arc, progressions, if you can incorporate all of these different techniques, transits, if you know how to read an ephemeris. And I hope if you're an astrologer, you know how to read an ephemeris. And you should have one. If you don't have an ephemeris, either in your cell phone or on your desk, you're not an astrologer. Yes. I, there was it's an, your book of knowledge. There was a, an article that came out several months ago. I don't know if you saw this with a baby astrologer uh, who is making a name for herself i'm not going to say her name people can look it up if they would like uh who does it who did not know what an ephemeris was and apparently this so this reporter sort of started her interview process with her uh and then circled back by the end of this you know of her uh conducting research for this article talked to some real deal astrologers, found out what an ephemeris was, came back to the original astrologer and was like, oh, so just a few more follow-up questions. Like, do you have a physical ephemeris? Do you work with it online? And she was like, what is an ephemeris? And then the article was started off by saying, you know, this astrologer does not know how to use this okay. device, wow. which is a very important piece of of that astrology. That is how we do You can't really do much without it. You can't do anything without it. No. It's how you get your birth chart. Right. Yeah. And that was what the old astrologers in the olden days, you didn't get the ephemeris. They had to be handed to you by your teacher. Right. Right. And so she doesn't even have one. She can pull a chart up. And that's the gift, the, the curse of the internet, where you don't necessarily know the knowledge. Now, I'm not going to say that nobody knows. I'm going to say... You know, like I can, you know, I can look at somebody and say, you know, they talk about something. I go, you know, maybe, you know, you've got shingles because your vitamin C is low, right? 
because you stop taking vitamin C. I can diagnose what you have. I can't fix it. I'm I'm a diagnoser. Go to a doctor to get it fixed. Right, right. So you can be that kind of astrologer where you say, oh, you know, you're a, you know, you're a, you're a Taurus. He's a Scorpio. So you know, you're gonna you have an opposition in your sun and your earth and your water and you make mud and, yeah. But like, send them <laughs> to a real astrologer that actually knows what they're doing. But that is really scary that she doesn't know what an ephemeris is. Yes, and yeah. it's also you know has the press connections to mm-hmm. be able to put her face in front of things and call herself an astrologer, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which, I, you know, I have brought this up a few times on this podcast, but something that I'm very concerned about for 2020, in addition to all the things to be concerned about for 2020. <laughs> no, no, no. We're going to reframe that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it's true. Right. There's different ways this can all play out mm-hmm. um, is I am very worried about about cults. Yes. I'm very worried about. Um, people who are going to lean very deeply into this Neptune in Pisces that we are experiencing. And as it is creating all of these uh, sextiles with the these head honchos, these hard-hitting planets, that people are going to start taking advantage of the mystical movement and building cults. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that when we and you know it's that's extreme. Mm-hmm. It's not really not that really, extreme. Cause, no, because Saturn's going into Aquarius, which is the sign of cults. Right. Yes. And Pluto goes into cults in a couple of years. Yes. He goes into Aquarius, which is the sign. And Aquarius is the sign of cults because it rules the eleven thousand groups. Right. Exactly. So I and I'm a little worried. And I, you know, I don't think that these meme accounts are intentionally. I don't think that you know the meme accounts are cult leaders. But I do think it's setting a precedent of uh, not being a critical thinker, you know, not being someone who's actually discerning who knows what they're talking about versus who doesn't know what they're talking about. And the skill of branding and marketing is a completely different skill than being an astrologer. If you can do both, fabulous. But those are different Different archetypes. Those are different people. You know, it's Mm -hmm. the same. It's so often with any artist, it's so difficult for them to usually, uh, you know, figure out how to hack being in the music industry or being an actor because that requires a different brain. That's why they have agents and managers. So the same with astrologers. If you see if there's an astrologer who is like, you know, starting to sort of lead the packs and create all of this you know, fear mongering around things that they're not even quite clear on, or even if they are, there's an opportunity for exploitation in a way that makes me very nervous. Mm -hmm. And I don't Mm -hmm. think that the meme accounts are helping. (laughs) Well, because people aren't thinking. I know my sister, uh, she's in Germany now, but back when she lived in uh, Jacksonville, it's very Republican. So she would have us down for Christmas and have us all for Christmas at her house. And and she would have a party and she would invite the neighbors and other Republicans. <laughs> <laughs> and so I would about the two weeks before I would watch Rush Limbaugh and Sean Hannity and Fox News and tune in on those. What were the talking points? And then I would deal with like eight or nine or ten drunk people fighting with me. And I had one woman get so mad at me. She goes, you know, you're making my brain hurt because she would say to me, well, bop, 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 talking points. And I would go, da, 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 let's go in on that. You know, and I would take her in. She goes, ah, ah, ah. Um, and she goes, you're making my brain hurt. I said, good. I'm making you think. Right. Thinking That's is called important. thinking. Thinking is important. Repeating talking points, not not thought. Right. And so one, one of them, my sister said she never talked to her again. The husband would talk to her husband, Bruce, but that lady never talked to her again because she was so mad at me 
from that party because I made her think and I challenged her thinking. And I think that's the thing you want to kind of think about is when you're in these things, what is your what is your critical thinking applying to it? And we have lost critical thinking. We have trained it out of our students. We've trained, we've taken it out of the schools. I remember studying critical thinking doesn't really come in until you're in your 20s. You know, you're 23, 24, 25. That's when you can critically think. That's why they don't allow people to get drivers, rent cars until they're 25, because they have the critical thinking skills. And it is not a naturally acquired thing. And everybody should be forced to take logic. And everybody should be forced to take critical thinking rather than just repeating. Again, would you want Kim Kardashian handling your divorce? Well, that it's you know, really interesting. Like, is she trained? Does she even know what she's doing? Do you find that in your sessions with people these days that they are sort of it has some has it changed over these past decades of the way that people are interacting? No, I tend you know I I put out with my podcast and my different ways I put out stuff and usually people when they show up they've experienced me for a while either through the podcast or the you know, I used to write a column I still do a newsletter. Um, so they kind of have a flair for how I work. And I tend to pull in people that are people that are working with other people, you know, like they're either healers or they're Reiki's or I read a lot of astrologers. Um, I read people that are working in some profession where they're disseminating information or giving information out. So mine tend to be critical thinker folk. And I tend to give a critical thinking reading. You do. I do. You do. I do. <laughs> so when you come to me, you kind of go away like, wow, that's really complicated, but I learned a lot, you know, and I, I, I mean, I, to me, that's the gift of astrology, but I'm also, uh, I believe in the multiple understanding the multiple layers of life going on. And I have a lot of planets in the eighth house, which is the house of wanting to take you deeper. You know, instead of Cy Sloan take you higher, I'm like, let's go deep. You know, I look friendly and nice, but we're going to go deep. <laughs> but I'm going to fuck you up. <laughs> I'm so- going to take you into your underworld. <laughs> but help you also understand the path of individuation, the path of how you're supposed to be here and, and what you're supposed to do. And I think there are as many different kinds of astrologers as, as that works. Um, and I just, you know, it is a beautiful gift and a beautiful tool so, you know, all tools can be misused. That's the other part. I mean, I, I recently started studying a new kind of astrology uh, by an astrologer in uh, Gainesville named David Cochran, and he's doing this stuff on vibrational astrology. And I went to a work- weekend, work- weekend conference on it, and I went, oh, this is dangerous. This is like the nuclear physics of astrology. And he has had insurance companies and um, healthcare companies talk to him about buying his stuff because he can forecast when you're going to have a critical accident, when you're going to have a major health care by looking at the higher vibrations of your chart, not just the ones we look at. You know, we look at the conjunction, the trine, the square, the whatever. He's looking at the 121st vibration, the 137th. And with that, he can really nail when stuff's going to happen. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty amazing stuff. But I was also kind of like, I came back and I said I'd gone to that conference. And when I was when I was in the conference, I thought of a few people who I didn't want it I didn't want them to know about this kind of astrology. And I'm like, I don't want that person to know about this because they're going to use their force for evil. Mm-hmm. And remember, everything can be used for bad, right? Mm-hmm. So when you have that going on, it's like, okay, if you're using your force for bad, you know, and, and when I was talking about it at the group I do on Tuesdays, the person was there and they went, oh, oh. And I went, I, I knew they would have that reaction, because it's the it's the fine tuning and going in on such a deep 
programmic level. It's like your cellular DNA of your chart or your um, your chromosomes. Wow. Is that level of astrology, which we can do now with computers. Mm-hmm. You know, we couldn't, you know, in the old days when you manually calculated, you couldn't do it. But it is like working with those higher frequencies. So the analogy I used, I'd gone on a bat walk in Central Park and we were, the bats, they turn on the sonar, so the bat goes in, beep, 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 and then it goes, beep, 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 eats the bug, and it stops. And so you could hear the bat, you don't normally hear it. So the guy shook keys into it, and you heard the regular key sound, but then you heard all these higher frequencies, which are deeply attuned. And there was an astrologer from California who uses it in her therapeutic practice with, you know, with people that are really disturbed, with their frequencies are really wapple right and so it's it's a really interesting kind of new astrology that you can do now because of computers where you can go through and find the frequencies that you vibrate to that are your core frequencies well thank you so much you're welcome so, so much so where can we find you where can we i'm on the internet i'm all over the internet i'm ann ortley uh ann ortley.com you don't know how to spell the last name astro ann com. Uh, i have facebook i have twitter on Twitter, I tweet out the daily uh, tweets. My assistant Rose just arrived. That's the typing you're hearing. Um, and uh, we tweet out the daily tweets. We record them on Mondays, and she sends they. We have Sundowl send them out. We do Instagram posts with analysis, like people in the news. So I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I think that's the growth. And you're also doing the Sabian symbols. Oh yeah, we just started. The, my new assistant wants to do the Sabian symbols, so we've been tweeting out this tweeting or. Tweeting or Instagram. I think we've been Instagramming. I don't know what goes out on what, but I know we're sending a lot of stuff out. <laughs> the Sabian symbols are... All dictated are, by me. So Sabian I just want to say... symbols are... Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, no fake astrologers here. Um, but yeah, it's... Uh, although my astro- my assistants are both very lovely people and they do a really good job. So, And Rose is a, Rose is a playwright. Her play is going to get... Pro- I want to just put a little plug out. Rose's play is going to get produced. <laughs> That's wonderful. I know. Congratulations. I know. We haven't, it hasn't been officially announced in the playwright world, but we know it's going on. In the so. astro world, it's in already happened. In the astro happened. world, it's happening, right? <laughs> <laughs> we are on a different wavelength yeah, anyway. She's going to be produced off-Broadway. Congratulations. Yeah, it's very exciting. So, um, And my other assistant's getting married. So we have... We have well, hello. And she's going to produce a baby. So we're going to have a lot of stuff this going is, on in this This is office. the place to work. This is the place we're, to we're be. We're ever growing, ever growing. <laughs> yeah. So those are the ways, and I have a newsletter that we mail to people. and uh, Which is a phenomenal newsletter. Yeah, it's very good. We and like you also it. do workshops. I do workshops. I do lectures. I travel around the country. I'm going to be in um, I'm going to be in Colorado next year. I'm going to be in Florida. I'm going to be in Cleveland. I'm going to be in great uh, in Detroit in Ann Arbor. Yeah, I, I travel. I travel. I love to travel and teach. Um, and I teach. I do webinars here too. We do a webinar on the new moon, and we also do webinars on big topics in the sky. So we're going to have one coming up about 2020 and how not to be afraid about all the mean stuff everybody's saying on the internet about it. So listen to this. Go to this webinar since, as everybody listening here knows, I am the biggest 2020. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I'm, what is his name from Back to the Future? Uh, yeah, Michael J. Fox. Yep. Not the other, no, the Christopher Lloyd. Oh, the Christopher Lloyd. Yeah, character. I feel okay. like I'm Christopher Lloyd, like <laughs> making the DeLorean and being like, it's crazy in the future. <laughs> so. yeah. But I will say it's a new 36-year cycle. So think about this, people. All happening next year. A new 36-year cycle starting, a new 29-year cycle starting, a new 13-year cycle starting, a new 12-year cycle starting, a new 20-year cycle starting, and a new 8-year cycle starting. That's a lot of cycles starting. What that also means is the other cycles are ending 
So you're saying goodbye to a lot of stuff, but there's all this new energy coming in. So remember, as you say goodbye, there's always new coming in. So we're going to say goodbye. So would that put us in? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is so we're in like a twelfth house space right now. Totally, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we're in winter. All the planets are in winter. Yeah, all the planets are in winter. Mm-hmm. So we're in winter. Right, th- winter in the northern hemisphere, not the southern. For those people living, listening to this down in Australia, but yeah, it's uh, so we're having Saturn and Pluto meeting, and they last met in eighty-two, fall of eighty-two at twenty-nine Libra, and now they're meeting at twenty-two Capricorn. We're going to have Jupiter and uh, Jupiter and Saturn, Jupiter and Pluto meet three times next year at 24, 24, and 22 Capricorn. And Jupiter and Pluto is an abundance cycle. And that's at, that's towards the latter half of the year, right? April, June, November. Oh, wow, okay. Three times, April, June, November, 24, 24, 22, same degree as the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. Saturn's back where he was in 92. Jupiter's back where he was in 2008. That's the 13, 29 and the 30. And then at the end of the year, we have Jupiter and Saturn meeting at zero Aquarius to start a new 20-year cycle. The Great Conjunction. The Great Conjunction. So these are all big. Yeah. So, and then we have also... And then the eclipses. And we have the eclipses, and we also have Mercury. uh, We have a Venus star point in Gemini uh, with Mercury, with Venus and the Sun meeting conjunct in Gemini in uh, June. So that's an eight-year cycle. So there's a lot going on. But you really want to watch that section in your chart between 20 and 24 of Capricorn. If you have planets at that degrees, any planet at those degrees, they're going to be really activated by this stuff. And then Saturn and Jupiter meet up at um, uh, zero Aquarius and start a new 20-year cycle. But Saturn goes into it, dances into it, and then dances out. So he's going to get there a little earlier. But it is a huge, huge year. People are starting major life cycles and major beginnings chapters. And in the meantime, they're also ending huge chapters in their lives. Right. 36 years. My case, my mom died in 82, said, take care of your dad. He's not as tough as he looks. My dad just died. So now 36 years later, I'm done with that job. Now what am I going to do next? Right. So I'm figuring that out, and his will should be probated by January. Wow. Yeah. So it's big. It's really big. Yeah. Yeah. So everyone needs to. Everyone needs to put on their their big girl or big boy panties and say, I'm in and I'm working on building my structures that support my life for the next but up years. Right. I mean, you if you are um, just expecting someone else to do the work for you. Well, Mm. good luck. Yeah. That's why you have Saturn in your chart. (laughs) <laughs> Remember, he's got a little knee. He can throw you over and spank you if you're bad. It's true. It's true. <laughs> but if you're good and you do your Saturn, he's very nice. You, you, could, just, sit on, you could sit on Saturn's lap. You can sit lap. on his lap like Santa Claus. <laughs> and, he get, he, and he gives you a cookie. <laughs> but just one cookie. But just one cookie because that's all you that's get. That's all you get. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. Thank you so much, Anne. You're this has been a real so treat. Much. I'm glad you, glad you came. I'm glad you talked. <laughs> this is such a fun. 